I don't know about you, but I've wondered about this parable. I don't know. If I wonder about all the parables, I guess. I, I'm just enthralled by them. But in looking at this one, it seems like it's just unfair labor practices, right? Have you ever read the parable of the landowner? If not, we're about to, okay? <laughs> For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. In about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of, and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give, you the, uh, to, I wish to, give to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, the first last. Many are called, but few are chosen. So let me just break the stigma and the myth right now. This is not a parable about fair labor laws, minimum wage, equity in business, or any other earthly principle. I've always looked at it that way. That, that's unfair, God. And we know we look at it and say, well, they're talking about believers and how some of us have served God all our life and some get in at the last breath. You've seen deathbed confessions, right? And you're, uh, I think of the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross next to Jesus, there were two of them. And they were both mocking him, but one of them, when he saw basically the testimony of Jesus, he said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So as we dig into this parable a little bit, I want you to ignore uh, the fact that some worked 12 hours and got one denarius and some worked one and got the same amount. The landowner went out early in the morning. This is before the, the workday started at 6 a.m., so he went out early. And these guys were out there ready to work. When we were building this property, our uh, general contractor 
at times we would need just hard labor done. And we had a lot of volunteers, but he would run down to uh, one of the places downtown where laborers would gather and you could hire somebody for the day. They had pre-checked them and all that and bring them in. You pay them for the day. And uh, some of them didn't make it all day. They walked off the job. Well, if you walk off the job without finishing it, too bad, no pay. But the work was hard. It wasn't easy. But the landowner went out and said, listen, I'm going to pay you what a soldier's wage would actually be. This is what soldiers would make, and this is just for a day, a day job. So the landowner was actually paying more than what really they were to be, uh, someone doing that work would be paid. The third hour, he went out, so 6 a.m., 9 a.m., and kept going out these different hours, and he hired them. And he didn't, the first group, he promised a denarius. The next groups, he said, I'll pay you uh, a fair wage, basically. I'll pay you a fair wage. So the 11th hour, he goes out, and he sees people standing there, and he says, what, what are you doing here? Why are you still here? Why haven't you got a job already? <laughs> why, why aren't you working? And he said, no one has, they said, no one has offered us a job. No one, no one has uh, hired us. And he said, well, come work with me for the last hour. Now, obviously it's a parable, so, but it's like a vineyard. He's working. They're gathering up the harvest at the end. It takes quite a bit of work. You see them down if you drive to Plant City. On I-4, or especially Highway 60, you can look at people in the fields gathering strawberries right now. And my wife and I, we went there, yes, we drove to Brandon yesterday, and in the field, all you saw was people bent over picking those strawberries. And I said to myself, thank you, Lord. I'm not down there. I love strawberries. Uh, we didn't go to, the, I don't think strawberry festivals yet, right? I think it's coming up, but yeah. But man, I've got your mouth watering for strawberry shortcake, I know. <laughs> they work. They work hard. Uh, one of my favorite things, uh, my wife's aunt, or aunt, no, her cousin, up in Ohio, we'd go visit, and she had a strawberry patch. And the freshest, strawberries, you'd see me picking those because those were, you just, you eat more than you put in the basket. But the landowner made a promise to pay them whatever is right. But we look at it in unfairness. People like you and me, we're like the uh, prodigal son's brother, the older brother, Right? He goes off, sows all the wild oats, does all these things, and the father receives him back. But I've been here all along. I haven't messed up. I haven't taken my inheritance. I'm doing what you asked me to do, and you want to throw a party for this? What, I'm filling the blank, right? I don't know what to call it. Hooligan? <laughs> you want to throw a party because he's back? He messed up. But we have... It's, it's our mentality where we, we want fair treatment. Let me pull some things in here. No one is worthy to receive God's grace. 
None of us deserve God's favor. We are all guilty of sin, separated from God until He saves us. None of us are in the position to say to the King of all kings, that's unfair. Because if, if everything was fair, you and I would not even be a pile of dust on the ground. We'd be, we'd be gone. If we got what we truly deserved, you ever prayed that? Lord, give them what they deserve. But don't give me what I deserve. You hear, you hear the... Listen, I'm an older... I, I always identified with the older brother in the prodigal son story. Uh, even though I was a middle child, that probably explains a lot. But I identified because I served the Lord. I didn't go sow my wild oats, all that business, and yeah, all that down the road. I, but, man, they would, those guys would come to church. They'd be in church camp. They'd stand up, give their testimony how God delivered from all this. And I'm sitting there like, I don't have a testimony. <laughs> but I do, yes. But that's the mentality of a 15-year-old kid, Right? And we think it's unfair. Why are, you know, but who are we to tell God what's fair, what's not? Who are we to say, God, your grace should come to me and not to them? God, your mercy should be extended toward me every time I mess up. But if somebody else does that, just zap them, God, get them. Is that we want undiluted justice? God, pay them for their wages but don't pay me. <laughs> God is fair and faithful. Amen. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, the thief on the cross, a career criminal being, being executed for his crimes. I mean, this... This wasn't some, he stole a purse and got caught. No, he, he did some serious crimes to be executed for it. Yet, he called on Jesus at the last possible moment of his life. And God, Jesus said, today you'll be with me. But we come back to this, the first shall be last and the last first. What's amazing, the disciples really still never got this message. Even from this parable, this was to teach them, listen, it's God's order of things that's not yours because they kept saying, who's going to be first? Who, who's going to be here? Who's going to be there? I'm sure as the 12 were following Jesus and he would call the three of them forward, Peter, James, and John, the other nine were like, oh, who are we? Aren't we following? Haven't we been with him this whole time? And we had that sense in our world of injustice, unfairness. I've been there. God, why am I going through this? You ever said that? Lord, why am, why am I facing this trial? Why is this happening to me? Why am I in this position? Why, why is sickness hit here? Why did this happen? All these things begin to work on us and Satan gets a little way in and begins to work on us and say, oh, you don't deserve that. God, 
you know, and we, we want God to play favorites. Now, my children, I have four boys, and they want you to play favorites. The grandkids, same thing. They, you know, it's, it's tough not to. When I've got one in Massachusetts with three kids, you know, wife and three kids that we see rarely, it's tough not to pour out a little more on those that are right here next to me. But it's not about being fair. I love them all with all my heart. And God loves us all. God cares for us all. God watches us. He loves you. And he wants to see the best for you. The thing is, he knows what's best for you. So we can't complain, God, this is what I mean. I have a good friend. I met with him, had lunch with him Thursday. He's in a wheelchair, been in a wheelchair all, almost all his life. And uh, he could have complained, God, why am I in a wheelchair? Why do my muscles not work? Why am I stuck here? But I'll tell you now, uh, at, he was told at age 12 he would be on a ventilator and they would have to breathe for him. I'm trying to do the math. I think he's 63, still breathing on his own. Up until, up until about age uh, 45 to 50, he was still singing for Jesus. He doesn't have the, enough to really sing, but he wrote many songs. And he wrote this one song, you know what I'm talking about. When there is no miracle, he is still God. Amen. And the scripture that he has put around his ministry, it's called Lift Disability. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Is in my weakness, he is strong. Now, I was at camps with him, and he would bring, he, he was one of the first ones I ever saw with an electric wheelchair. And they'd, he'd bring that down, and we'd be around him praying, and I prayed that he would get up and walk and run around that, and I thought this would be the greatest revival the world had ever seen, you know, when he got touched and healed. But that didn't happen. And I don't know the, you know, you can blame sin, you can blame whatever you want, but I don't know. But I'll tell you what he has been able to do in that chair to this point, and that is he has had inroads into families with disability that you and I have never had that you and I could never touch and reach. God gave him an able-bodied wife. Uh, well, I shouldn't take too much time, but I had him do a revival for me, and he came to visit, and his wife liked to play golf, so we went and played golf, and her and I rode in the golf cart, and he followed behind in his electric wheelchair. Well, it's okay if there's a cart path, but we got to parts of the course that didn't have it, and the poor gentleman had a sore neck at the end of the nine holes because we stopped after nine because his head was just shaking around going all over those bumps. And I thought, hey, you know, why, you, why wouldn't God touch him? Why wouldn't God heal him? But he, he got over that many, many years ago. His dad... As a minister, his mom was a minister. 
Because he said, Lord, I, gi I give you my disability. I give you my problems. I give you who I am. Use it. And God has given him a national ministry. Uh, I, I guarantee you that if he would have been healed and able to be able-bodied, he would have not ministered to one-third or I, don't, I wouldn't even begin to imagine the percentage of folks, but he has transformed people's lives. Some of you have been touched by his ministry. We have families with disabilities here uh, that have volunteered at his camp in uh, Central Florida. Why? Because he said, Lord, I'm not going to ask anymore if it's fair, if it's unfair why I'm going through this. I'm just going to trust you and trust that you're working all things together for our good. Mark 9.35 says, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. We want to get to the front of the line. We want to jump in front of everybody else. Have you ever uh, been in a line, you're like, can't this move any faster? Or worse, okay, you're on I-4 and you see all the lanes are blocked. Is there a way I can go, is there some other way I can go to get around all this traffic? And you see those guys, I saw one blazing up the shoulder one time. I mean, apparently he had somewhere to be. Well, about 30 minutes later, when the traffic creeped on by him, he was pulled over by a police officer. And uh, his day was probably spent. Have you ever thought about this? It is physically impossible in a race for the first to be last and the last to be first. How can that be, God? How can it be? But unless it's a dead heat. A dead heat is where everybody ties. Everybody crosses the finish line at the same time. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. We want to step in front of everybody else. The Bible says be absent from this body is be present with the Lord. But I believe in the end times, as we have that glorified body, we're all going to cross into heaven or into that place he has for us together. Here are the elements of the parable. God is the landowner. The laborers are those hired for a specific job. The vineyard is the kingdom of heaven. The work, the, the work day is our lifetime. And the payday is eternity. Salvation is not something we earn. It's the eternal gift that God gives by His grace according to His will. God gives the same abundant grace to everyone. There's no favoritism. Tax collectors, harlots, beggars, blind, murderers, fornicators, preachers. <laughs> you like how I threw that in there? Anyone who has accepted God's gift of salvation. Should I put deacons in there? We've all, we all need God's grace. Amen. God calls workers into his kingdom no matter what time the eternity clock has struck. In uh, 
the Appalachian District, the superintendent that was there when I lived there passed away. The funeral, I, I don't know if it was this weekend or is coming up. Um, his name is Irving Steining, powerful man of God. And uh, he's finished his race. He's crossed the line. God has put his uh, final touch on him. But God calls us all to do his will, no matter his ministry span, I don't know, 50, 60 years, probably more. Some might work for just a little bit. Some might get saved today and next week they're gone. But it is appointed unto man once to die. He said, work until he comes. He didn't say, let's all put in so many hours and then we can check out. <laughs> I've put in my so many and God, now I can take a break. No, he's called us all to be laborers in his, in his vineyard no matter what time it is. God keeps his promise. God calls sinners to salvation, not the self-sufficient. Let that sink in. God calls sinners to himself, not those who think they're better than everybody else. God keeps his promise. He promised to pay the first group, and he did so. He promised that he would give what is fair, and he did so. God has promised you and I an eternal reward. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know... I mean, we have pictures of crowns. We, in the Bible, it talks about crowns and jewels in the crown. Who knows what those look like? I'm not, I, I like hats. I don't know if I like crowns. You know, is God going to give me a big Bass Pro hat? I don't know. <laughs> Doubt it. But the, the thing I see in Revelation, the elders around the throne, it said they cast their crowns at his feet. Because whatever we receive, I think when we see Jesus is going to be, we're going to say, I'm not worthy to even have this. God, it's yours. Because you gave me everything. Because I did it for you because I love you and you love me. I gave my all for you and Lord, you deserve all mine. I'm not... I don't go around doing things just so I, oh, you know, that might be a crown in my, you know. The Bible says if I think that way, I've already got my reward, right? <laughs> but Lord, I do it because I want others to know Jesus. I want others to experience the joy and the peace of knowing who the King of kings and the Lord of Lord is. Let us thank God for His grace in our life. Without His grace, we would be miserable. Oh, we'd be tore up. We'd be like the world. Those that are drinking their, their night away tonight. Those that are trying to find something to fill the void. Those that are looking for the world's things to fulfill what only God can fill. What only God can give. Hunger and thirst for Him. Give Him all. Those... Uh, there are those who deserve more than you and I, 
and maybe some deserve less, but God's grace abounds toward all of us. Amen. Love one another. Let God minister and use you. And let him. One of the parables I'm going to talk about is a parable, the wheat and the tares growing up together. And the disciples, or the workers said in the parable, are we going to, what are we going to do with this? Do we, do we try to pull it out? He goes, no, if you start pulling that up, you're going to make a big mess. That's my words for it. said, leave it, and when it's over, the angels are going to take care of it. You let, let's let God work it all out. His best is for you. And I'll tell you, whatever we receive is more than we deserve. 